Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with DCROM. I'm your host, David Cromwell. The NFL's annual free agency frenzy is in full swing, yet the 2022 NFL draft is only six weeks away and approaching fast. As they say, free agency is where you find short term fixes, yet the draft is where you look for long term solutions. And tonight, our good friend Bill Carroll of Nuts and Bolts Sports joins us to discuss if any such solutions exist in this draft when it comes to the defensive tackle position. Welcome back to the program, Bill. How are you? Always a pleasure. Uh, good to be here. This is a, a great time of year because the months of work that have been, that have been putting into all of this is finally getting closer to fruition. Oh, it definitely is. And uh, just like uh, you, I am very excited to see where these kids uh, end up starting on April the 28th. But let's uh, take a deep dive into this defensive tackle class. And we start with the combine where the defensive tackle prospect that absolutely stole the show in Indy was Jordan Davis of Georgia. He ran a four, seven, eight in the 40 at 341 pounds. Get that a four, seven, eight, 40 yard dash at 341 pounds. And that justifies why uh, some see another version of Vita Vea in Jordan Davis. Vita Vea, another freakish athletic nose tackle who's had a very successful NFL career thus far. That said, several still have questions about Davis's ability to play far more than 50% of the snaps and others question whether he brings enough as a pass rusher. In addition, several like his Georgia teammate Devontae Wyatt even more. Say you were running a team that had every need possible on the defensive line and your choice in the draft came down to Davis and Wyatt, who would you pick and why? Unless I had a very specific kind of defense, it's Wyatt because he does more different things. One of the things that you see a lot today is working out of sub packages. And when someone's a true zero or true one, meaning that you're either aligning head up right over the center or on the inside shoulder of the left guard, and that's pretty much all you do. I'm not saying that's all he can do, but that's all he's done to this point. And he is essentially a person who gives you great work against the run for the most part, even though he's a guy that has in the past worn down during longer series. If you keep him on the field and you run hurry up offense, he can wear down. Hopefully he's worked on that. It looks like he's worked on his conditioning, so that might be improving. And then in terms of what he does as a pass rusher, thus far it's mostly just sort of shoving the whole pocket, which can still be a very effective, sort of shoving the whole pocket towards the quarterback. But in Devontae White, you have a guy who can do more different things. He could probably be a nose shade in certain situations, but he also can play the three. He can play the four-eye. He can play the five. He's just more scheme-diverse. He's more versatile. He does more things well at this point. So if you do take a guy like Jordan Davis, you're betting a lot on potential, which he has a lot of, like I get that. But especially if you're a team that has a long sort of arc as to where you're trying to get. If you're a team that's gonna take three years to be a contender, then it might make sense because you've got time to develop him. If you're a team that's trying to win now, then you might not be able to wait on turning this guy into whatever he might be. 
That is a very good point. And let's uh, continue talking about Jordan Davis for a moment. I remember we were talking about him uh, during one of uh, your spaces on Twitter during the combine. And uh, you said that he actually does bring a little bit more punch as a pass rusher than people think. And your pro cop for him was a guy I vaguely remember seeing when I was very young. Cardinals defensive tackle Eric Swan and I remember when the Cardinals uh, played the Bears on occasion back in the 90s Eric Swan always had a sack in those games so to speak Uh, so um, just how high is his potential as a pass rusher that some people have doubts about I mean I don't think he's ever be great at Uh, he's he's not you know a guy who I think will be bad at it but generally you know the old saying is if if a dog will bite you it'll bite you as a pup for the most part, if a player is going to be someone who consistently gives trouble to the quarterback, they're going to consistently be troubling quarterbacks throughout their careers. And I know they rotated a lot. I know he didn't play a lot of snaps, but that means he, he should be very fresh and he should be getting, even though he's not playing as many snaps, he should be getting a lot of pressure on each snap. And he's a guy that didn't get tremendous pressure consistently on quarterbacks. I think he'll improve. I think he'll see an uptick, but great. I don't think greats in the cards. I think he could become a solid, consistent performer in that area. Uh, maybe not quite to the Eric Swan level, probably more like somewhere between a guy like, you know, maybe not even quite to Vita Vea, but closer to the sort of Haloti range, maybe somewhere around that, which is still a very good player. But in terms of what he does in the past game, that. Yeah, very good point there as well. And uh, you were down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, as was I. And a defensive tackle prospect that started rising up draft boards, uh, starting with his performance at the Senior Bowl and continuing with the great combine performance, is Travis Jones of UConn. Dane Brugler believes that Travis Jones is a lock to go top 50, and he also added that he could even sneak into the first round. In your view, is Travis Jones worth the gamble in the top 50, if not in the tail end of the first well, I, I don't know about the tail in the first, but I think he's solidly in the top 50. I think I have him either 37 or 38. I have to go back and look at my personal rankings, but I think he's even in the top 40 on a lot of teams' boards. I don't think he gets out of the top 50. It would take something, you know, that's been thus far undisclosed in terms of character or injury or something like that that would push him out of the top 50. When you get a player, and I called him uh, Muhammad Wilkerson with a jetpack, when you get a player who has that kind of power and he's fairly developed, in terms of what he knows how to do, both in the run game, right? He's very good. At, he can both shed blockers and slip through. He can occupy blockers. And then, you know, when he, he can sort of steer them around, as, as we say, and then when he sees his opportunity, discard them and make the play. He, he's got a little more pass rush than a guy like Jordan Davis because one, better use of his hands. He has a better sense of how to maneuver. And two, he's, he's just slipperier. I mean, Davis is powerful and and, and power-packed and used as he is, isn't the guy that really has a good idea of how in space, in those tight spaces, to make himself small. And he plays high. And that can be an advantage when it comes to docking down passes and sort of being like Godzilla, you know, stomping on Tokyo. But the issue is when you're trying to shoot gaps, it's too much surface area to hit. And guys like, you know, Jason Kelsey are going to go to town on your ribs. So, uh, Travis Jones, even though he's also a big guy too, 224 pounds and, and I think 6'3 and 7'8 or something like that, has a better sense of how to make himself small when he needs to be. Very good scouting report there as well, Bill. And the last spring and summer, DeMarvin Leal of Texas A&M was touted by some, if not many, 
as a potential top 10 pick. Now, many, if not most, expect him to go on day two. What is your opinion on Liel's game and just how big of a steal can he turn out to be for whoever drafts him? Yeah, he's, he's still going to be a player that's a bit of a project, but teams fall in love, right? Every year, a team takes someone much earlier than everyone says they're going to go. They're, I've been following the draft for a very long time, and it happens literally every year. This year will not be any different. Uh, things about him, he's a tremendous amount of unrealized potential to this point. And there are teams that believe they're the right team to unlock that thus far unrealized potential. Uh, he, of all of the tackles in the class, defensive tackles in the class, to be more specific, is the one that has the best chance to be a star. I think there's a lot of guys who have a chance to be really solid players. And obviously Jordan Davis is a special physical package, but I haven't seen him put it all together yet. I've seen at times the Martin Lutheran look like, as a well, not, top 10 player at times. I haven't seen that ever of Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis has looked amazing in workouts, but his actual tape looks more like a guy who's, you know, into the first round. And obviously his combine workout probably pushed him up. But if you go back to the tape, you're not seeing a guy who's good, who should go as early as he probably will go. But DeMarvin Leal has tape. Now, obviously it's up and down with him, but he has tape where you're thinking that guy, that guy is going to be amazing. I mean, think about Javon Hargrave, but think about Javon Hargrave being even a little bit more polished. And that's what he looks like at times. And there's other times when he gets kind of thrown around. The other issue is he's a little light in the pants uh, for a true three technique. He's a guy that you should probably put back on. He may have lost some weight maybe for the combine, but he's to put that weight back on. A good weight, 12 to 17 pounds of good weight in the drive train, as we call it, right? The hamstrings, the, the quads and thighs. You just put it in that area. And, and if he works hard, gets the right coaching, he could be an absolute star. And one of the more fascinating prospects in this class is Logan Hall of Houston. Logan Hall, here's a guy that mostly played defensive tackle in college, but several, including Dane Brugler, believe he projects better at edge. Do you think Logan Hall's best role in the NFL is inside, outside of the edge, or is it a bit of both? Well, and you, you sort of answered your own question there. Uh, the position of 4I exists for people like Logan Hall, right? Uh, now, he's not the player and probably never will be the player that a guy like Justin James Watt is, right? That's a once in a very long time kind of player. But what position has he really excelled in? That four I position, that five, that four I, even a little bit of three. And that's where I see Logan Hall thriving in a system where he occasionally maybe plays out to seven or even wide nine, but not most of the time because he's not quite that kind of pass rusher. But can he beat the living daylights out of guards if he gets them one-on-one? Oh, boy, howdy, yes. He will go to town if you get him head up on a guard one-on-one. That four-eye, well, because it was made for him. Oh, definitely. And reading what some notable analysts have written about him, it reminded me of another Houston Cougar who went at 28 overall last year in Peyton Turner. Peyton Turner, um, the Saints obviously drafted him to be more of an edge player, but he played that uh, 4-I position, I believe, most of the time in Houston. Uh, just curious, uh, just give us a compare and contrast between uh, Peyton Turner and his fellow Houston Cougar, Logan Hall. Yeah, I think Hall has a little more potential in the ability to be closer to a, once again, I'm not comparing either to DJ Watt, but he has a little more potential. I think he's a stronger, physically stronger player. The thing about Peyton Turner that everyone who paid attention remembers is that ludicrous three cone, right? 
it was a slot returner's three cone that Peyton Turner ran. Uh, and and Hall's not that, right? So Turner's more of a, I mean, saying finesse defensive lineman sounds like a, a you know, a, a sort of a contradiction in terms. But it's essentially what he is. He's a more of a finesse defensive lineman. You want to get him in situations where he's attacking the outside shoulder or the inside shoulder, not head up. You want him slicing, essentially, right, towards his target, not ever having to beat someone physically, whether it be with hand usage or power. I think that you have a little more power potential in Hall, and he's just not quite as quick, because who is? I mean, Peyton Turner may be the quickest defensive, interior defensive lineman, not named, well, Aaron Donald, uh, that we have going in football right now. Oh, that's interesting. And uh, at the Senior Bowl, I was fortunate to get to interview another prospect known for his immense versatility and ability to line up uh, almost everywhere along the defensive line, Cameron Thomas of San Diego State. And uh, Cameron Thomas, he's sort of a polarizing prospect because I've seen some people hype him up as a top 40 pick and Dane Brugler, at least uh, before the combine in his top 100, had him as a late day two, early day three kind of pick. Where do you land on Cameron Thomas at the moment? Well, I mean, we could, either of us, all of us could be right and all of us could be wrong. Um, Here's the good news. If you are a Cameron Thomas fan, and I am a Cameron Thomas fan, uh, I think he has potential. Once again, we're talking about scheme versatility, right? And that is one of the things that teams look for in, well, frankly, every position. They're not a position where you don't want a certain amount of scheme versatility, ability to, to do more than one thing. Um, he is currently my number set 51. I think he's my number 51, uh, prospect overall. Maybe it's something like that. Something like that. Something like that. Uh, nope. I'm sorry. 61. He's my number 60. See, don't get old, David. Don't get old. Um, <laughs> he's my number 61 overall prospect. Things that I like about him. Well, I mean, people throw out names like Kyle Vandenbosch. People throw out names like even even Trace Armstrong. People throw out names like, um, you know, Keith Millard, mainly because they're white pass rushers. Um, You know, he's not that much like Jared Allen. Uh, Jared Allen was a guy that won with a different kind of way. But he's a power end, uh, base end. I think he's going to be the other end. If you have a guy like Bosa or whoever it is, your other guy, you know, your main guy, your stud, your alpha. Cameron Thomas will be a really great number two, the other guy, the guy that's on the other end, the guy that's attacking right tackles, the guy who's really good against the run. He's really good against the run. I think that he'll be a five and a half, six and a half sack guy, which is fine, especially if you're getting him in, you know, somewhere between pick 60 and pick 100. I think that's probably where his range is. You know, it's maybe as early as 60, maybe as late as that. Oh, and uh, you bring up a good point about uh, sack totals because uh, a lot of the people uh, still point to sacks as the end-all be-all, but as Chargers head coach Brandon Staley says, it's not sacks that are predictive of success for uh, defensive ends and defensive tackles in the NFL. It's pressures. It's raw pressure that they got on the quarterback. And uh, where uh, has Cameron Thomas uh, ended up in that metric in terms of generating uh, pressure in his college career. Yeah, and I'm not here to disagree with with Coach Staley, who I think is one of the smarter young coaches in the league. The really the most predictive thing is actually solo tackles, believe it or not. If you just want to go by historical numbers over the past 30-something years, uh, because it's the greatest single predictor of your level of activity as a defensive player, uh, particularly if you're a defensive lineman or linebacker. 
uh, and not, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds on this, but because uh, even pressure, though it's helpful, is still something that often happens or often happens based on a mistake made by an offensive player very often, right? Um, somebody takes the wrong angle, somebody blocks the wrong person, somebody blows an assignment, gets off the ball late, right? There's lots of ways that you can generate pressure that didn't necessarily happen because you did something great. Uh, solo tackles, meaning that you were the person that not only got there, but got there pretty much by yourself, uh, is the most predictive thing because it not only shows your ability to make the play, but also probably is indicative of you being a smarter player, right? You probably had to figure something out that because you're not sharing that happen. You got there first. Uh, and if you consistently get there first on defense, that's the best indicator based on my analysis of the past several years of the NFL and college uh, of what someone's likely to be at the next level. But to your answer, um, he's a guy that grades out in the 80-something percentile based on my, my way of grading um, the position he plays. Uh, 80.4 or something like that. I don't, have, I don't have it in front of me right now, but something like that. Meaning that he is in the, once again, the top 20% of guys that play his position. Uh, and once again, that's commensurate where we have him in terms of drafting. The guys that are at the top, 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 right? The Karloffices, the, you know, those guys are in the 90-something percentile. Those are the guys you take in the first round, right? When a guy in the 92 grade, 93 grade, that guy's not make, shouldn't make it past the 15, 16 picks, somewhere like that. Oh, that is a very, very, very intriguing uh, observation, Bill. And in terms of the solo tackles, which uh, defensive tackle prospect in this class was the best in that metric? So ironically, uh, it isn't even the guys we've talked about so far. Uh, the, the sort of solo tackle machine is actually guys further down most people's boards. He's in part because of physical size. And this is where you get into what kind of scheme do you run? Uh, because some teams will not even look at this player as a hand in the dirt player. They'll say, well, this guy's going to have to, by his very nature, play a different position. Uh, he's an FCS guy named Isaiah Chambers, and he's from Michigan State. And he's going to have to learn to play linebacker most likely because he's played most of his career in the low 240s and he could pro probably get into the 250s you wouldn't want him much heavier than probably 254 256 maybe pushing it and some teams that's still fine i mean once again i'll remind you that those great great colts teams that are 251 pounder and a 244 pounder play defensive end in freeney and mathis but that's the exception, not the rule. They're the outlier. Most teams want you to be 260, 270 pounds. And teams that run an odd front want you to be 280 and up. You know, Kimo Von Allhoff and Aaron Smith, that bunch. So um, he's the winner if you go by that. But most teams don't evaluate him as a defense player. And another defensive tackle prospect that had a very, very good week down in Mobile is uh, Perrion Winfrey of Oklahoma. He was MVP of the uh, Senior Bowl game this year and before free agency several in bears draft twitter so to speak were touting him as an option with one of their two second round picks uh, given the cleo mack trade and do you see perry and winfrey as an ideal prospect for teams that urgently need that penetrating three technique for their defense i, I really i'm a big fan and the more he's those people that the more i watch the more i like uh there are things he's not great at right but the things he's good at he's really really good at um Hand usage, once again, is, is top tier. Slippery, you know, feet and hips. We always talk about defense and backs, but it's really important for three techniques too because you've got to win immediately. You don't have time to set up your moves, right? By the time you set up your move, the moment is gone. 
It's like when you're a boxer, you can't see the opening. Your fist has to be in the opening when the opening occurs. You have to anticipate. Same thing with being a three tech. And a lot of them actually work out with martial artists and boxers because they want to learn to anticipate openings, right? That's one of the most important things. I love his sense of anticipation. I love his slipperiness. I love his quickness, his low body, right? His, his that, that classic sort of ability to get, get squatty and take up space when he has to. So he can hold the point a little bit. That's not the strongest part of his game, but he can anchor down a little bit. But mostly what he's gonna, you're gonna ask him to do, if you're smart, you're gonna see him shoot gaps because that's where he really excels. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his and the Bears were very lucky, frankly, to get him. He is Bill Carroll, Nuts and Bolts Sports. Follow him on Twitter at 11Bravo138. And now we're going to play one of my favorite games on this program. It's called Buy or Sell. And in this game, I'm going to mention a defensive tackle prospect that we have not discussed yet. And uh, you tell me whether you buy or sell their long-term potential in the NFL, starting with Alabama's Fedarian Mathis. This is an interesting one because obviously it depends on where you have him slotted. I think some people are a little too high on him, but if I'm getting him in the late third on down, then I'm a buyer. If you're talking about taking him in the early part of the second or mid second, I'm a little hesitant. Yeah. Uh, Fidarian Mathis, another uh, intriguing uh, Bama defensive line prospect. And we now go on to another SEC team, Tennessee, Matthew Butler, buy or sell Matthew Butler. I think Butler is, we talked about Travis Jones. I think the other guy that has a chance to really outperform what people originally thought he was amongst the guys in this class is Butler. He disappears at times. That's the one thing that scares you when you watch on tape. Like, he'll be great, like a monster. And then you'll you'll check. Like, is he on the field? You'll check. He's on the field. If he learns how to more consistently get off of blocks, he's going to make some teams super happy. I'm a buyer. Neil Farrell, LSU, buy or sell? Once again, it depends on where I'm getting him. I've seen people pushing him further and further up the board. If he's going in the top 70, I'm 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 going to pass. But if I can get him 75 on, I'm a buy. Oh, very, very interesting. Talk about a pretty small margin of error there, so to speak. And uh, we stay in the SEC with our next defensive tackle prospect, John Ridgeway of Arkansas, buy or sell? So I've been a Ridgeway guy since his days back at Illinois State, right? He's a red. Uh, so he was one of the guys that transferred up. Uh, he's a limited athlete. So let's be honest about what he is. If you understand what he actually is and ask him to do the things he actually does, and I get him in the late fifth or even the mid fifth, I'm a buyer. If he's being pushed up the board and going earlier than that, I'm going to have to pass. As much as I like him, I know what he's capable of. Ooh, Illinois State, that reminds me of another NFL defensive lineman, Shelby Harris, another ISU Redbird, uh, who was involved in the Russell Wilson trade. Uh, So uh, we could have another Illinois State uh, defensive tackle in the National Football League very, very soon. And going to the Big 12, Ioma Wazirike, Iowa State, buy or sell? Yeah, um, he's a potential guy. He's 100% potential. His tape is generally not all that impressive to me. And he's Levi's younger brother. Uh, and, and Levi was another guy that you're just buying potential. I, I, I wasn't as high on him as other people were. And it's kind of the same deal here. If I'm getting him day three, then sign me up. If you're talking about day two, I'm not, no. 
Moving right along, uh, the UCF Knights uh, have had some intriguing defensive line prospects that have not panned out in recent years, but hopefully Kalia Davis can break the streak, so to speak. Buy or sell Kalia Davis? Well, once again, I'm assuming I'm getting him in the in the bargain area. If I'm getting him in as a as a bargain player day three, then yes, I'm a buyer. I don't think he'll get pushed up the board. I don't think there's that kind of love for him. He's a guy that's probably going to go late. So probably sometime in the, I'm thinking mid-sixth around there, I get interested. Anything earlier than that, and, you know, he's a developmental player that will probably another more in the rotational piece. And last but not least, at buy or sell, Haskell Garrett of Ohio State learned under Larry Johnson, one of the best D-line gurus uh, known to man. Yeah, and he's a very intriguing player. And probably the, of the players we've talked about in this segment, probably the one with the best chance to become a long-term starter. Still, I see people talking about him way above, in some cases, where I would take him. So if you're talking about top, I just, I just see people have him right on the bubble between the first and second. I'm not interested there. And I'm not interested, I mean, once again, I have Travis Jones above him, and Travis Jones isn't that high for me. So if you're talking about getting him in the top 40 or even top 50, I'm, I'm going to pass now you want to get you wanted to talk to the, the latter half of the second on after yes I'm fine if you want you know after sixty I'm in, I'm a buyer. Bill, thank you so much once again for a great time tonight. But before we let you go, let's talk about some of the best possible destinations for these defensive tackle prospects. And we start with Jordan Davis, and a lot of people were mocking him to the chargers at 17 uh, after the combine and even more so after the chargers got cleo mac however the chargers just signed a pretty underrated run stuffing defensive tackle in free agency named sebastian joseph day so maybe he slides a bit further and there's an even better fit for him down the road sure i was never quite once again and it's okay i mean that's the whole point we don't, we don't want to think alike and say the same things i was never quite that high on jordan I think he's a good fit for, say, the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots are still a team that cares about stopping the run. They're still a team that likes big guys. Uh, and, I mean, part of it's because Belichick comes from whose tree, right? The Parcells tree. And Parcells says, I'd rather a good big player than a good small player. Uh, he made a, an exception for a guy like Joe Morris, obviously. But generally, he liked big guys. So I think that he's a really good fit there. And I think he'll get coached up there. And so if they, if there is the ability to unlock him fully, I think that's a team. That... Devontae Wyatt. Well, I mean, anyone could use Devontae Wyatt, but um, I will send him uh, to the Raiders. Um, I, I think the Raiders have been trying to fill that spot ever since they pay overpaid for a almost retired Warren Sapp many years ago and this is a chance for them to finally get that position right uh, I think he'll give them that three technique four eye that they've been searching for and now that will help Max Crosby right if you put him on the same side as Max Crosby now it's harder to double team Max and it helps him to, to also be productive I think that'd be a good way to go there Travis Jones best NFL destination for Travis Jones that's where I'm going to, that's the guy I'm sending to the, um, to the chargers in the second rather than the first, but uh, now they don't have a second. That's right. They don't. So I can't send them to there anymore. That's right. Good point. Uh, well then instead <laughs> I will send him to, Oh, let me see. Do the Broncos still have their second? 
They have one of their two seconds, but it's at 64. Oh, yeah. So he's probably gone by 64. I got to think about who's got a pick right there in the middle of the second. Uh, the Browns still, because they lost Joby. So the Browns, what do they have in the second? Yeah, they got their second. Well, there we go. That's a good fit for them. Plus, they really like to look at metrics. They're one of the more metrically smart teams. And Travis Jones has a lot of things that make metrics people happy. He's got a lot of things you go, oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. So I could at least easily see him leaning up there. DeMarvin Leal. This is an interesting Um, I mean, this is a guy that... He could still go in the first. Unlikely, but not impossible. Once again, just takes one, as the old saying goes. But if he gets out of the first, I mean, I could see the Jets and Giants, right? I think both the New York teams will have a very strong interest in him. And I think he's gone fairly early in the second. Logan Hall. Um, I could see him going to the Steelers in the second. Uh, the Steelers have still been searching i mean they have tillery they have guys but they don't oh, they've had guys uh they've had guys like tillery they have guys you can go back like i said to aaron smith and kimo von allhoffen but i think that if he becomes a five technique and they use a multiple front in pittsburgh they sometimes are an even front there's sometimes an odd front and that's the thing that you like about a guy like hall because he can do both he can play three tech he can play four eye he can play five tech even out to the seven and I think that once again, they have really good defensive coaching. I'd see him, I could see him thriving there. Cameron Thomas. It's another interesting guy. He can go a lot of places. Um, let's say he makes it to the late second. And let's say he makes it to the all, you know, the one of the teams that play in the Super Bowl. I think he could make it to the Bengals, and I think he would fit their team culture. I think he fits a need that they have. And I think he would be a really good other guy, right? That, that the base in that, you know, that fights right tackles for a living. And he's a good enough athlete that you can do some fun things with. Yes. And uh, keep in mind, the Rams do not have their second round pick because of the Von Miller trade, but the Broncos are picking at 64. And I was kind of thinking, do you like his fit there in Denver? Oh, I mean, the Broncos are, are going to have – this would be a very good draft for the Broncos. One, a lot of their needs are right there, right? Hey, you need that? Fantastic. It's right here for you. Oh, you need pass rush? Guess what, right? You need – like, you go down the list of things that they need, and those things – this is the right draft. You want interior offensive linemen? Right? We've got how many of them? So many. Uh, so, yes, this should be – if the Broncos don't plug some, some really important positions in this draft, they've missed an opportunity. So, yeah, he can fit there, too. What about Perry and Winfrey? We mentioned the Bears as a potential destination for him, but they signed Larry Ogunjobi to fill that all-important three-tech role in the Eberflus defense. Any other potential fits for Perry and Winfrey to play a similar role? Well, well for one thing, I don't think that precludes Winfrey still going there. That's, a, once again, a position that you rotate. And as we said, Ogan Joby is a guy who's going to be there for probably two years. Winfrey could be there for 10 if, you know, he works out. So I still think he could end up there. But I'll, I'll stay in the NFC uh, North. The Vikings also have a need at that position. 
yeah, they signed a Harrison Phillips in free agency, but he's more of that two down run stuffer type. You need right. Harrison a Phillips shooter. is not slippery or quick. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. And uh, Ed Donatel's coming from the Broncos, where he had somebody named Draymond Jones, uh, who's a slippery interior pass rusher. He needs a Draymond Jones in his defense, and uh, Perry and Winfrey could pro- easily provide that for Ed Donatel. I completely agree. Fedarian Mathis. He's that's another guy where you sort of the, the sort of, you know, almost like cheap, you know, go to is, is to say uh, the Patriots, partially because of the strong relationship between Saban and Belichick and partially because they like that kind of guy. He's he's a Patriot kind of guy, but I won't I won't take the easy way out. I will not do that this time. Um, I'm going to go with sort of a wild ish card situation here. I could see him ending up in the desert. I could see him ending up with the Cardinals. And they're another multiple front team. Um, actually, most teams, I guess, are multiple front teams. Almost nobody just plays their base set anymore. Really, nobody does. But I could see them pairing him with a guy like Watt, um, sometimes him playing side-by-side, sometimes him spelling him. Because Matthews can um, – uh, he can do more than one thing. He can do – Matthews can do – like I said, you can literally even play him on the nose a little bit, though that's not really what he should be doing. But he can play that three, he can play the four eye, he can play the five, cock nose shade. Like he can do a little bit of everything. So he fits them as well. And they've got some rebuilding to do on that defensive line. He is Bill Carroll, ladies and gentlemen, NFL draft analyst extraordinaire from Nuts and Bolt Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at 11Bravo138 and you could check him out giving some great analysis at uh, Nuts and Bolts Sports Draft Central, where Jeff Barnes and I, every Wednesday night on the NBS YouTube channel. So if you go to NBS Draft Central to search that in YouTube every Wednesday night, it'll take us straight to us. And I hope uh, that you'll see our first rock draft, which is coming up tomorrow. And we have a fantastic interview that I urge everyone to check out with a great up-and-coming pass rusher named Sean Dixon. Yeah, Bill and Jeff, you've been good friends with this program for many, many years, and I highly, highly encourage everybody who listens to check out their work whenever possible. Bill, thank you so much once again, and that's it for today here on Sports Crunch, but we'll be back soon to continue our 2022 Dash to the Draft series, so stay tuned. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram at SportsCrunchWithDCrom, and remember, that's Crunch with a K. Also, be sure to check out the new and improved sportscrunch.com where my first mock draft of the 2022 cycle is now posted and where another one will be coming out in just about a week. For Bill Carroll, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, and whatever you're doing, please keep the brave people of Ukraine in your thoughts and prayers. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool.